Included Podcast starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Asbin and Budic Show. I'm Jake Asbin, alongside Dan Budic. Lots to get to on this program, but we have a big announcement. We wanted to start huge things off. Huge, Breaking. huge, huge. Breaking news. The Asbin and Budic Show, which has now produced 48 episodes, believe it or not, will be making its debut this upcoming Saturday at 10 a.m. through 12 p. 12, yeah, I guess it'd be 12 p.m. 12 noon. 12 noon. On VIC Radio, and for those who don't know, the VIC, VIC, is the sister station of WICB. It's an online-only radio station, and we're lucky enough to get two more shows. We're going to have an extra four hours of sports talk. That's not going to affect the podcast. We'll continue to do, uh, continue to release those once a week. But what's great about the VIC show is it's live. We're going to be able to take callers, interact with the fan base, listening out in the audience, and of course, we'll still be able to get some great guests and some live interviews and whatnot. But our first show is going to be at 10 a.m. through noon this Saturday. Then our next show, we're going to be from 10 p.m. Sunday night until midnight. So an extra four hours of the Asmund Budic Show coming up on VIC Radio. And Dan, one thing we're going to be able to do now is collaborate our best segments from both the podcast and from the radio show and put it all together and make the show that much better, especially when we have a big interview on the radio show. We'll also be able to release it on the podcast for everyone to be able to listen to, both on ICTV.org and, of course, on iTunes. Yeah, both things are, are two obviously separate entities, the show on VIC Radio and obviously the podcast, which we've been doing for over a year now, like you said, produced 48 episodes. But no, it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and you know we're going to keep, obviously, the podcast going. Again, both are going to be completely separate entities, but I think it's going to be cool to intertwine them at times when, you know, the time's right, like you mentioned, a big interview on BIC, bring it on the podcast so it's, so it's pre-recorded so people can see it, you know, after after it's done. So I think that's going to be really cool to be able to do that. So once again, our first show will be on BIC Radio this Saturday. From 10 a.m. until noon, we'll put it on the social media pages, so you'll you'll be able to check that out. And then once again, we'll be back on the air on Sunday from 10 p.m. until midnight, Sunday night. So we're excited about those opportunities, and we said it. It will not affect the podcast. Not at all. We'll be able to do it just as much as we've always been able to do it. We just think it's going to provide that much more content to the program, and we're obviously very excited about that. A couple thank yous before we get into this actual show. We want to thank the manager of TV Radio Operations here at Ithaca College, Christopher Wheatley, for the opportunity to do both the podcast and, of course, the radio show. We want to thank everyone over at VIC for giving us the opportunity, and, of course, ICTV for continuing the support of the show. But we're really excited about it, Dan, and obviously the big debut will be on Saturday at 10 a.m. on VIC Radio. Saturday, 10 a.m. on VIC Radio. Like we said, two completely separate shows. The podcast can continue the, the great trend it's on, and, and we're looking forward to really getting the radio station started, really getting some listeners to VIC, really bringing the, the, the fan base we've built with the show here on the podcast to VIC and intertwine both, like we said before. So I think that's going to be really cool just to be able to do a live show and a pre-recorded show. And what's also important to note, where can you listen to VIC Radio? Well, we mentioned it. It's an online-only radio station. To listen, you're going to need to go to VICradio.org, or you could find VIC Radio on the TuneIn app, so you can go to TuneIn.com, and you can listen in that way as well. But obviously, there's going to be an opportunity for our listeners to get involved. We're going to have guests on the program. And that live radio feel is something that we really wanted. And for those who don't know, Dan and I, we went to high school together, Syosset, New York. WKWZ Syosset was our high school radio station, and that's where it all started for us. So we had an opportunity to do a once-a-week radio show on WKWZ. We're excited to have four hours of sports talk radio on VIC 
starting this Saturday. So it's going to be wonderful. We wanted to start the show off and certainly address that. And finally, make sure you follow the show at Asma Budic Show on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, The Asma Budic Show. Dan's Twitter is at Dan Budic. My Twitter is at Jake Asman. So there's your social media plug. But without further ado, we got a lot to get to, Dan. On today's show, we're going to be talking some baseball. We've been doing it the past couple of weeks. We're getting into it. Opening day, opening night, I should say, this Sunday. So we're excited about that. The Yankees and the Mets, they open their season on Monday, April 6th. So that's coming up. That's right around the corner. On today's show, we'll be doing a little over-unders. We'll go around Major League Baseball, and we'll pick over or under on some of the win totals. And, of course, big news in college basketball. St. John's hiring Chris Mullen, their best player in program history, to replace Steve Lavin and the Final Four is this weekend in Indianapolis. So we have a lot to get to, Dan. We'll start with Chris Mullen. What did you think of the decision to fire Steve Lavin and bring in Chris Mullen for St. John's? Well, it seemed like the Lavin situation with St. John's was really coming to an end. I reports at the beginning of the week, the end of last week, were that he was coming to an extension with St. John's. Then the reports were that that was just a, a, a thing thrown out by Lavin just to try to make it look like it was a mutual, which ended up being the report that they mutually parted ways. And I think it was time for a change. I think the program, he had two uh, NCAA tournament appearances in his time as St. John head coach. I think it was time for a change. And I think when you look for a head coach, you know, what was St. John trying to look for? And I think this was really talked about throughout the duration of the week. What was St. John's really trying to look for in a head coach? They want to bring back the traditions of the great years of St. John basketball, and that starts with Chris Mullen. Like, you know, he said throughout the week on his, pro, on his uh, introductory press conference yesterday, he wanted a chance to head coach at, at some point, whether it was college or the NBA. Well, what's a better opportunity than for him to become the head coach at his alma mater? And I think – a great point about this is this is not a two-year th- thing. This is not like he's coming here for a year or two just to get his feet wet and to get a job in the NBA. He is committed to building a program and putting the St. John's Red Storm back on the map when it comes to college basketball because we remember, well, we don't remember, but they were a powerhouse in the NC2As not that long ago, 20, 25 years ago. It's, it's been too long. St. John's been thrown under the carpet. And I think Chris Mullen will do a great job. I think it was a great hire for St. John's. New York City is starving for winning basketball, not only just with the Knicks, but with college. You know, St. John's hasn't really been relevant. You said it, Dan, 25, 30 years since Chris Mullen was on that team with Mark Jackson and Bill Weddington and all those guys that made St. John's what it was. In 1985, this team went to the Final Four. Obviously, you have all the history with Lou Carnesecchio, their head coach, for, for all those years. And listen, Chris Mullen, he gives you that wow factor. He gives you that star power. I don't know if he can coach. He's obviously never coached before. But from the standpoint of being able to make a move if you're St. John's, you weren't going to be able to get Rick Pitino. Coach K wasn't coming through that door. John Calipari wasn't coming either. So you needed to do something. You get rid of Steve Lavin, who was a good coach. I think St. John's arguably underachieved underachieved a little bit. They went to the NCAA tournament. You said it then twice in Lavin's five years. One of Lavin's years cut short due to prostate cancer, so he missed one of his years as the coach of St. John's. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're the St. John's Red Storm, I think you had a home run here. You're bringing in a guy that everyone knows. You're bringing in a guy that can attract talent, and if you want to – be successful at St. John's, you got to be able to recruit New York City. And who better to have someone recruiting New York City than a guy that had the opportunity to play for Coach K at Duke but chose to stay home and play for Luke Karnasecki at St. John's. Chris Mullen gives you that opportunity to recruit at home. And listen, we don't know if he can coach, but he was the best guy out there to attract talent. And as long as he hires a good staff, I don't see why this move cannot be a successful one for St. John's. Well, and I think Chris Mullen said yesterday that he's going to bring in a veteran staff to try to guide him. So he's going to kind of learning on the fly, to, so to speak, as a coach. But that's fine. Jake, I think you hit the nail right on the head a second ago. 
to recruit New York City talent, the local area talent, St. John just hasn't been able to do it over the last 15 years. They just haven't been able to, to recruit those big-time New York City tri-state area recruits. You make a great point. Chris Mullen was a tri-state area recruit. He chose to go to St. John's, and he flourished there and have obviously flourished in the NBA. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to lure, and you're trying to recruit the local guys to stay here. The wow factor of the Garden, it's not a wow factor anymore. And you don't have that wow factor anymore of playing at Madison Square Garden, playing in New York City. It doesn't wow everyone. But to have a guy as a head coach that's been there, that knows what you're going through, to be able to, to decide on schools, to select you know, which place not only you want to play basketball, but to choose for your education. I think Chris Mullen's perfect for that category. And listen, you're 100% right. Playing at Madison Square Garden and playing in New York City is not what it once was, especially with the way the Big East now is. No longer the dominant Big East with Syracuse and UConn and all those teams that made the Big East what it was. But listen, the Big East is still a good league. You're still playing at Madison Square Garden, and you got to be able to recruit kids in your area. Yeah, you you got to be able to get top talent, and no one's better than Chris Mullen to be able to do that because of the fact that he's done it before. He's played with top talent. He's been recruited by many of these coaches that are still in the league. Chris Mullen in his press conference talked about how he had the opportunity to play for a Duke, play for a Kentucky, but he chose to stay home to St. John's, and that's the th- what he's going to have to do with today's recruits. They might not know who he is, but his parents will start, their, their kid, their, the parents of these recruits will know who Chris Mullins is, and that will get him in the door. And from that point on, it will be on Chris Mullins the rec- to, to recruit, and at the end of the day, if he could do that, there's no reason why he can't learn how to coach. The guy is a basketball savant. He knows everything about the game. He's worked in the front office of, of NBA organizations, and, of course, he's been an ESPN analyst. So you know what? If Chris Mullen could go in there and get some top talent, I have no doubt that he'll be able to figure it out and be able to be a good head coach in college basketball. I agree, and I think it starts with recruiting. Remember, coaching, in, coaching a college basketball team, it is really a 24-hour 365 day a year job. You got to recruit in the offseason. You got to make the recruiting trips. And I think he's, you know, not only is he committed as a head coach, but he's committed as a recruiter. And this was his alma mater. He wants to get them back on the map. They really, they need, they should be back on the map. You know, you, you, you look around New York, and, and Syracuse's slogan is New York's college team. Well, really, St. John should be New York's college team. They play at Madison Square Garden, they play in New York City. That should be New York's college team. And it's, it's going to be a tough task for Chris Mullen, but I think he's the best guy out there to do it right now to put St. John's back on the map and get them where they should be and get them back on tra- track as far as men's basketball is concerned. And now, Dan, you hit the head. You, know, you, you nailed it right there. I mean, let's be honest. St. John's has not been relevant, and we said it. They need to they need, they need to bring in a guy in Chris Mullen that has the opportunity to make them relevant, and he could do that as long as he recruits and he brings in the right staff. The at, right the end, staff. at the end of the day, the guy knows basketball. You think he'll be able to figure out the coaching aspect, but we know it. No coaches win without talent. So it's up to Chris Mullen to be able to bring in guys that fit his system that could win games in Madison Square Garden and make St. John's what it was when Chris Mullen was a player under Lou Carnesecchia. I think it's a step in the right directions for St. John's. I think this this is where they had to go, and you know they want if they want to restore that tradition of St. John's basketball, it starts with Chris Mullen. It starts with recruiting the local guys. It starts with putting a very good basketball team on the court at the Garden. So let's transition now. We're still going to talk about college basketball. Obviously, the Final Four is in Indianapolis, and two great games starting off with Duke and Michigan State at 6 p.m. and then Wisconsin and Kentucky at 8.30. I think you look at this Final Four, it's as good as any of them. You look at the coaches involved, Tom Mizzo, Coach K, and, of course, Calipari, and Bo Ryan up at Wisconsin, so you got four outstanding coaches. 
you have Duke, you have Kentucky, you have you know a Michigan State team as a seven seed going on another improbable run in March, which we've come to expect nowadays with Tom Izzo and his ability to coach in the NCAA tournament. At the beginning of this tournament, I picked Kentucky to win the whole thing. I'm still not going to change my pick, but I think Wisconsin could give Kentucky a game. Kentucky narrowly escaped Notre Dame. And then, obviously, Michigan State-Duke. That's a that's a phenomenal game out there in Indianapolis. And you have a Michigan State team, we said it. They're on a run right now, and Duke has Okafor and that young freshman team loaded with talent that Duke obviously feels they can win the whole thing. I think all four of these teams realistically think they can win an NCAA championship, and that's what you want when you're in the Final Four. Both games are very intriguing matchups. Kentucky narrowly escaped Notre Dame. But a lot of people feel that this Wisconsin team is a team that really could give them fits as far as Kentucky is concerned and ruin their perfect season. So I, I think as far as that is concerned, I think Wisconsin is, is a team that could do it. They have the size. They, they match up well against Kentucky. And Michigan State, like you said, they're on a pretty improbable run. They, they seem to be a lock for the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight every year under Coach Izzo. So I, I can't say you could be surprised that they're here. And as far as Duke concerned, they're, you know, as, as a one seed there, you know, they're always solid. I know Chris Hayes are – one of our assistant producers, a huge Duke fan. But, no, it's going to be a tough matchup for Duke, too, against a well-coached Michigan State team. I think both matchups are very good. And then you said in the second game you have undefeated Kentucky, barely getting by Notre Dame, playing a Wisconsin team that had to get by Arizona and that one-two-seeded matchup in the Elite Eight. So, you know, all in all, you can't really ask for much else out of these matchups in the Final Four. But then you look at, you know, the, the overall complexion of how it should unfold. Well, my pick was Duke-Kentucky at the beginning. I got to stick with it. So I'm going to go Duke over Michigan State, Kentucky over Wisconsin. And then when the Final Four is played on Monday, give me Kentucky over Duke. And hopefully if I nail it, at least I got my national championship game correct and the outcome correct. But we'll find out. Yeah, Jay, I agree with you. I think it's for, I can't go against Kentucky. I picked them to win it. I didn't pick them to win it against Duke, but I think Duke's going to overshadow Michigan State. Who did you State. have in the national championship game? I had Kentucky and Virginia. In the national championship game, obviously Virginia lost uh, so to, Michigan that, State. to Michigan State. So that that was my national championship game. But uh, I obviously I had Kentucky there. Like everyone seemed to have Kentucky there this year. But I th- I agree with you. I think Kentucky over Duke in the championship game is going to be it. I picked Duke over Michigan State, and I think Kentucky is going to outlast Wisconsin. I do think it's going to be a very good matchup. The last two games that are going to be played before the championship game for Kentucky. You talk about a Notre Dame game. They narrowly escaped Notre Dame, came down to the final seconds of the ball game, and I think the same thing might happen here against Wisconsin. And let's give credit to our executive producer, Jake Chernock. Nailed all eight elite teams. Nailed it. Chernock nailed it. And he nailed the final four. He had Michigan State in his final four. He had Duke, Wisconsin, and Kentucky. So we'll give uh, we'll give credit to our executive producer, Jake Chernock, nailing both the elite eight. And nailed the Final Four. And for those curious who he picked to win the whole thing, just like about half the country, he had Kentucky winning the whole thing. Does he, what's his final? Kentucky-Duke? I, I actually That I don't know. I didn't ask him that. I could uh, try and find that out, and I'll see if we can get an answer out of him later in the show. We'll we'll give you that. If we're not here. To, not here right he's now. He's actually not here. He had a, a, a big-time day. He was actually at the New York Jets Forum Park facility checking out that. So I'm sure when Chernow comes back, we'll be able to have him talk to you about his bracket. But – he did nail the Final Four. He did nail the Elite Eight, so we'll give him credit. But That's very impressive. It, with some of the upsets that have, it's very impressive. It is impressive, so we'll give him credit there. And listen, at the end of the day, whatever the outcome, you just hope it's close games. The Elite Eight lived you up want to the great, hype. You want the great you want, games. You had four great games in the Elite Eight. Hopefully, you'll get at least two games this upcoming weekend at Michigan State, Duke, and then and the Wisconsin, Kentucky, and then that third game, the National Championship Monday night. You hope it's 
instant classic, which it certainly has the potential to be if Kentucky's in it, going for that perfect season. Because you know that that game, no matter what, who, no matter if they're playing Duke or Michigan State, the story of Monday night is going to be, can Kentucky complete the perfect season? That's going to be the story of Monday night if Kentucky beats Wisconsin this weekend. Can they complete that perfect season? And, and cap a, a, a really a marvelous season of college basketball for Kentucky. Well, we'll certainly find out about that. And listen, give us an opportunity to tell you about the VIC show because we'll be on that Sunday night. We'll know who the national championship game will be. Yeah, we so, will. That'll be fun. So if you want to hear our thoughts a little bit early before the next podcast on iTunes and ICTV, VIC Radio is your place to go at 10 p.m. through midnight this Sunday night. We'll be recapping the weekend of college basketball, and we'll give you our national championship picks. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about a little Major League Baseball opening night is on Sunday. We'll go around the league, and we'll talk over-unders on some teams' wins. Back right after this. Hi, this is Jim Craig of the 1980 Olympic team. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And you're listening to Asman and Dudek. We're back here on the Asmin and Budick Show. We're going to get into a little baseball. But real quick, we talked about our executive producers, Jake Chernock's pick. I wasn't sure who he had in the national championship game facing off against Kentucky. It was Duke. So he had the same final as I had, Duke-Kentucky, and he has Kentucky winning as well. So we'll see if both me and Jake Chernock are right. But once again, if Chernock is able to nail Kentucky against Duke, he would have nailed the Elite Eight the Final Four, and the National Championship game, and the National Champion. So we'll credit him. We'll see what happens. But, Dan, let's get into a little baseball now, a little over-unders. We'll start with the locals. We always touch on the Mets and the Yankees. The Yankees, according to Bovada, they're at 80. I've also seen the Yankees at 81.5, and and the Mets are actually at 81. So it shows you what this website at least thinks of the Mets and Yankees win totals. For the Mets at 81, I'm going to go over. I think the Mets are a better-than-an 81-win team. I think what they win last year, 79 games? 79 games So the Mets year. were a 79-win team last year without Matt Harvey, with bad years from David Wright and Curtis Granderson. I think realistically, if Harvey pitches up to his standard and is healthy, you get a full year out of Jacob deGrom. There's no reason to me why this Mets team is not an 85-win baseball team and in contention for a wild card. I don't think they are a wild card team, but I do think they're better than an 81-win team. So for the Mets, I'm going to say over. This website has the Yankees at 80. Yesterday on the Michael K. Show on ESPN Radio, I heard they have the Yankees at 81 and a half. And I'm, I, so I'll go with 81 and a half as our number to go by. And I think the Yankees are better than an 81-win team. I think the Yankees are probably about an 85 through 87-win team. If all goes right, maybe they can crack 88-89. And they'll definitely be in contention for both the division and the wild card. But for the Mets and the Yankees, I really think there's a good chance both these teams win over their their selected amount of wins could be an easy bet if you're looking to get it on the baseball over-unders. Yeah, for the Mets at 81, if we're going off this, I think they're going to be over. I think the Mets are going to win about 84 or 85 wins, I would say. I think they add in some nice pieces. I still think they're a little short. Uh, but having Harvey back's a huge plus. If you get a good year out of right and a good year out of Granderson, which you hope, I think if everything falls right, they're an 84, 85 win team. The Yankees, I'm going to say over too. I think 80, 81 is too low. I think they're right where the Mets are, maybe a little higher, 86, 87 wins and, and a contention for a wild card spot. Or maybe a division, depending on how the division falls out in the American League. Well, that's League the thing. East. With the Mets, you know they're likely not going to be in the division because they well, arguably have the best team in baseball on it, the Washington Nationals. They're over-unders at 93. 
I'll say I, I'll say they're going to be right at 93. I think they nailed it on their wins. I think the Nationals are probably a 93-win team. So you don't expect the Mets to contend for a division. But for the Yankees, that division's wide open. You can make a case for probably about three teams. Look at the Red Sox. You look at the Yankees, obviously. And you look at the Orioles. And even the Blue Jays, I think, have done enough this offseason adding um, Russell Martin and trading for Josh Donaldson to improve their lineup. And we'll see if they can pitch. The only team I don't think in that division in the American League East that has a chance is the Rays. I think what they've lost over the past few seasons is going to catch up with them this season, especially losing their manager and Joe Madden. That's huge. So that's a big loss for them as well. And I'm very surprised that at 77.5, I, I would expect that to be under. I, I don't know if they're going to win close to 80 games this year. They really they took a big toll. They need a huge year. If they're going to win 80 games, they need a huge year out of Evan Longoria. He has to have a career year this year if they want to have a shot at winning over 77 games. No question about that. But getting back to my point about the Yankees, they can either be a wild card contender and even a division contender. So the Yankees' playoff hopes are going to rest on, we've said it all throughout the, the course of this podcast, Tanaka being healthy, Michael Pineda being healthy. What are they going to get from Ivan Nova when he comes back? Can they get anything out of Nathan Avoldi? We've said it on this show. And then the offense, who's bouncing back? Beltron, McCann, Mark Jashera, you name it, guys need to hit better. So for the Yankees and the Mets, I'll go over on each. And another win total that stood out, we were discussing this off the air, Dan, the Philadelphia Phillies, also in that NL East, 67 wins over or under on the Phillies. I see, we were talking about this before. 67 is low. That's really low. I'm going to say Was over. 95 losses? Yeah, I think I think they're going to win 71 to 73 games. I, I, it's very I, 67 is really, really Well, are the bad. Phillies worse than those Met teams were from a couple years ago when the Mets were a 73-win team? I think they're about the same. So that's why I, that's why I think that's why I think the Phillies. I'm t- more in the ballpark of like 70 wins to 73 wins. If I really had to put a number on it, 67 or under is just abysmal. I don't think they're going to be that bad. They're going to be bad. They're going to finish in last, but I think more along the lines of 71, 73 wins. I have, but I yeah it's yeah tough. It's I agree because they're 60, bad. 67 is tough. That is tough to be that that awful. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really it, it, like, it's hard to be that awful, but uh, I see what you're saying. Another team I wanted to touch on, the Boston Red Sox, at 86 wins. I think that is ridiculous. This team was in last place a season ago, and you mean to tell me now all of a sudden they're an 86 win team? I like what they did bringing in Pablo Sandoval. I like what they did bringing in Hanley Ramirez. That will improve their lineup. But you look at their rotation, they have a bunch of three and fours in that rotation. They don't have a bona fide ace. I think that will hurt them, especially when they play at a ballpark in Fenway Park that's known for producing a lot of offense. I'm skeptical of the, Oriole, uh, I'm skeptical of the Orioles being at 84 and a half. I think that's right around where the Red Sox should be. Maybe the Orioles should be at 85, 86 based off of what they did last year. But the Orioles lost Nelson Cruz as well. So you look around this AL East, all the teams are pretty much bunched together. We both think the Yankee number's low, but the Red Sox at 86, that kind of jumped off the page a little bit to me. I don't think they're all of a sudden this 86-win team. They have to be able to prove it out on the field after how bad they were last season. Yeah, they were really bad last year. I agree with you on the Red Sox. I'm going to say under 86. I think they're going to win like 84 to 85, I had to guess, maybe a little less than that. It's very tough. I mean, they were so bad last year, and to, and to just say they're going to be an 86-win team, which means they would win that division, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think them and the Yankees are pretty evenly matched, if I had to guess it, because I think everything that what everything the Red Sox have offensively, you made a good point. They really have a lot of threes and fours in that rotation, not really a bona fide number one ace in that Red Sox rotation. And the defending champion San Francisco Giants at 85 in their division alone, the Padres with their offseason at 84, 
I'm going to go under on the Padres. I'm not buying their hype. And the Giants, I think 85 is a good good guesstimate for where they'll be. I mean, they won 87 last year. Yeah, so, and, I mean. And, 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 and they won the World Series. So. Yeah, so exactly. So, I think 85 is fair for the Giants. I, I, I might go over. Or, you know what, I'm going to go under only because I think that division has improved. So, they might beat up on each other. And then the favorite in that division is still the Dodgers at 91. I'm going to go under on the Dodgers because I think that division is a little bunched together, but I think the Dodgers are the, clearly, despite what some people at Ithaca College have told me, still the best team in that division, that 91 wins. I agree the Dodgers are still the best team in the division. I think 88 wins is going to win that division. I think the Dodgers are going to do it. If I had to put a number on... Uh, if I had to put a number on the Giants, I would say about 85 wins. I think that's right where they sit. Uh, they lost Sandoval. That's a big loss offensively in their lineup. San Diego, everyone loves San Diego. They still they don't have a dominating pitching staff. Their bullpen has some holes. And offensively, I don't know if I could just say Justin Upton's going to have a, a, a monster year in Petco Park. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Matt Kemp, yeah, he's a great player when he's healthy. It's been a while since we've seen Matt Kemp at 100%. There are still a lot of holes with this San Diego team. They have a very high ceiling, but a lot has to go right for San Diego to win this division. I think San Diego is going to be right at about 83, 84 wins. Now, another team that we should definitely touch on is the Angels because this L.A. Angels team had the most wins in Major League Baseball a season ago. They're only at 87 and a half. We said it on the show before that without Josh Hamilton, they're going to be without their ace for a couple weeks into the season, so that could affect them. But... The Angels at 87.5, I think that's a little low. I think the Angels are probably an 88-89 win team. I'll give them credit. I think if Pujols can continue to hit like he's been hitting all spring, Mike Trout in another year of development, he's already arguably the best player in baseball. He's only going to continue to get better as he enters his prime years. The Angels at 87.5, I'm going over. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be over. I think they're more like a 91-win team if I had to put a number on it. You know, what, they win 97 last year? I don't think they're going to win 97, but I think around 90, 91 wins for the Angels in 2015. Now, when you look at this list, Dan, any other team stand out to you that you think will either be over or under as we keep going through? Well, I think a very list? a very interesting team is Seattle. The over-under is 85. I mean, Seattle could win 90 games this year. Seattle could push 91 wins this year. And that's year. the thing about that AL West. We were just it's talking about the It's a very good Angels. division. The, you, you figure that the Angels— um, are still going to be very good, obviously. You figure that the Rangers, they're only at 76.5, but they definitely have some talent on that team. Losing Lou Darvish is going to hurt. Year by Even injury. the Astros should be a little bit better this year. I want to see what they're at. The Astros are at 73.5. 73 yeah. they're, they're young. Some of those young prospects could be coming up. That's a little low. I think the Astros might be able to win more than 73 games. And then, you know, Seattle, they added Nelson Cruz. They gave Robinson Cano some protection in that lineup. What can they do at 85? You mentioned they could either be a 90-win team if they get enough offense, and if Felix Hernandez can continue to be the pitcher that he's been, or maybe they win a little bit less than 85 games. The Mariners haven't been able to be really good they're a for tough a long team. time. They're a tough team to really call on because, you know, they have a, they, a like a— like San Diego, they have a really high ceiling if a lot of things fall right for them. And a lot of people are picking them to win that division this year in the AL West. So I really think 85, it's really tough to call. I think they're a really tough team to decide. But I definitely think for the Angels, I think they're going to win like 91 games. But if Seattle's one of those teams. You see 85 wins over under. It's very tough to decide. That's a very If I'm betting on that, you know, I'd be I'd be hesitant because I think this is a team that can win 90 games or a team that can win 85 or under games based on you know how their pitching staff falls out, how their bullpen plays out, and again adding Nelson Cruz, how he hits a safe go. The Oakland A's, 
they did a lot this offseason. They unloaded almost their entire team. They're at 82 and a half still. I think that team is under. I don't think the A's finish above 500 this year with what they did to that lineup. They got rid of a complete overhaul at the beginning of last year. You look at what they did in the middle of the season when they traded their cleanup hitter to the Boston Red Sox and Cespedes. They lose John Lester to free agency. They traded Josh Donaldson. They completely unloaded their roster. And the A's are still at 82 and a half. And you know for sure that if Scott Casimir could be healthy at the beginning of the season, they're going to look to trade him as well. Yeah, and another team, I agree with you right there as far as that's concerned. Another team to look at is the Cubs, 81 and a half over under. Very interesting team to call. A lot of big offseason moves, whether you talk about Lester or you talk about adding Joe Madden to be their manager. A lot of hype coming into 2015 about the Cubbies. No question about that. And they recently sent down Chris Bryant, who is slugging an unbelievable percentage of spring training. Let was leading spring training in home runs. They sent him to the minors. Clearly, he's major league ready, and as soon as they can call him up in, what, 12 days? It's 12 days. He's going to be up there, and if he has the type of impact in that Cubs lineup, including Addison Russell at shortstop and what this team is going to be able to do with the young prospects and adding a John Lester to anchor that rotation, could the Cubs be a playoff team? I'm not so sure. They did add Joe Madden to be their manager. He gives you that persona. He gives you that energy. So a lot of people are big on the Cubs. I think 81.5 is the right number. I do think they're above a 500 team this year, so it will go over. But I think the Cubs are going to be just short of the playoffs. I think 81.5 is pretty fair. I think they win maybe 82, 83 games. Yeah, I'm gonna, I am gonna. think they're going to finish 500. I think 81 and 81. So I guess technically under if they're 81.5. I just think, I think they're significantly improved this year. I still think they're a year or two away of really being a dominant team in the National League as far as getting guys up, whether it's Bryant or or Russell, really seasoned uh, as major leaguers. I think next year, you know, if you look a year from now, I think the Cubs are like 86, 87 wins. But I think right now with what they have going into 2015, I think 81, 82 games is right where they're going to be at. No question about that. I, I think I agree with you as well. The Twins at 68.5 in that American League, 68 is a lot of losses. That's low. That's a lot low. I'll go over on the Twins. I'll believe in Phil Hughes and those guys up there, and maybe they'll be able to get it done. And some other bad teams that we should maybe touch on, Going along with it, the Atlanta Braves, at one point, always in the playoffs, now only at 73.5. And And it'll be interesting to see where they finish. They did a lot of overhauling of their roster, getting rid of Justin Upton, getting rid of, obviously, Jason Hayward to the Cardinals. So we'll see where the Braves finish. But 73.5, that's very low for the Braves. Where do you see that falling? That's low, but I I think that's probably where they're going to be at. I'm going to say over, I think maybe 76, 77 wins for the Braves. I don't think they're they're very good. I definitely don't think they're as good as the Marlins, and I definitely don't think they're as good as the Mets as far as finishing in second and third place. They're better than Philadelphia, uh, so I, I'm gonna say oh, I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say like 75 or 76 wins. No question about that. So those are the over unders. And before we wrap up, we'll announce to everybody that we will be doing a baseball show. We'll be giving our picks. We'll do it on the VIC show. We'll talk about all the divisions. We'll talk about all uh, the seedings where we think everyone's going to finish up, our wild card picks, our World Series predictions, the whole thing. We'll do that this weekend, but that's going to conclude our baseball segment, Dan, and I know obviously you're pretty amped about your Mets. We're excited about the Yankees, and it all starts up on Monday. It should be a great Monday afternoon, April 6th. Hopefully it's a beautiful day for baseball. No question about that, but that's going to do it for us. A couple thank yous to give out. Thank you to the guys behind the glass, Connor Weingarten. Chris Hayes was stopping by here today. And our Long Island consultant, the head of the Long Island office, Anthony Leonard Leo, was in the building today. We can't thank him enough. And don't forget about Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. That's right. Jake Goldberg, our assistant producer, he was also here. 
Garrett Weinberg stopped by as well. So we want to thank our assistant producers. Thank everyone for helping us get over the airwaves. And we'll see you on Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on VIC Radio. This has been the Asman and Budic Show for Dan Budic. I'm Jake Asman saying so long, everybody. listening to the Asmin and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.